of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. And Misho Bukikio. Hello. And we have a special guest today who's going to be joining us in a little while. And no, ladies and gentlemen, it is not the anticipated return of Yoda. Or Mrs. Doubtfire. Or Julia Charles. Or Bad Joke Dad. No, actually, he is here because that is Pete DeMeo. (laughs) But it is the... One and only Kevin Bacon of the hotel industry, Glenn Hausman. And he will be joining us in a little while to talk about loyalty programs, how they've evolved. Are they dead? Are they alive? Are they in a coma? We're not sure. But he is going to strain all that out for you loyal guests of ours on this Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. But as always, we are going to start with the news. What's going on? I have news. I have big news. Let's hear it. I found another job. <laughs> I don't feel like if that were true that this would be the way you'd break it. Just. I don't think it was. I just like the thought of you crying yourself to sleep at night. <laughs> With joy. Ha <laughs> no. But I do actually have big news. I don't have big news. Hilton has big news. They have just announced this week that they are completely revamping their loyalty program. This comes in response, I think at least partially, to the Marriott-Starwood merger, merger and them rethinking how they're going to merge points and what they're doing so they have four new features that they're rolling out so just to briefly go through those one of the changes is that people will be able to pull points and book group stays another change is that people who are in the diamond tier um, who have been a diamond member for at least three years will be able to keep their status for a year even if their travel bookings fall below that diamond tier status. The third one is that Hilton Honors members will be able to use points to buy goods from online retailer Amazon.com. And then their final one is that people can use a combination of the loyalty points and cash as opposed to just points alone to redeem rewards on stays. So those are the four major changes um, that they are rolling out with. I think we all have some opinions on that. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I don't want to spoil it too much because I'm going to pretend like Glenn's coming up in a minute, but we actually already recorded that um, interview and we get into it a little bit. But it, it's really interesting that they're doing this. I think you're right. They're trying to keep up with what Marriott Starwood's doing. But I, I think they're also reacting to the fact that loyalty programs simply don't work in their current form for anyone except for business travelers. And even the business traveler that is out there isn't really loyal to one brand. And they just they have multiple loyalty programs that they're redeeming when it makes sense. So if they go to New York and their convention or their meeting is near the Hilton, they'll stay there. But if it's near the Marriott, they'll stay there and they just they collect points regardless. You know what I think the biggest news is of this? What's that? It's it's they add added Hilton to the name. Because it used to be H Honors. Ah, true. They and, did. And now it's Hilton Honors and that makes all the difference in the world. Mm. Yeah, well, because when I would read it, I was like, H, like it was just awkward for me, the H honors thing. I would try to pronounce the extra H. I don't know. I always, I just look at the, the offerings that they're offering now, including where you can use cash and points. Does that just seem to expedite the demise of a traditional loyalty program where if I stay there one time, I'm just going to take a little bit of a discount and pay for cash at my next day? It, it, well, and it proves the point too with our 
travel study that we're releasing soon that studies have shown that people would prefer to have smaller rewards now versus waiting for a longer reward. So clearly, if people are willing to throw in a little extra cash to get that reward now. It's instant gratification, right? If you if you have a child at home that's under the age of five and you go to them tonight and you say, all right, you can either have one piece of candy right now and show it to them, or you can wait till next week and I'll give you two pieces of candy. How many kids are going to wait? Um, Zero kids. I'm pretty sure if you asked me that question right now, I would want the candy now. Yeah, because I could probably get that other piece of yeah. candy somewhere. So, way. about that candy. <laughs> I don't have candy, Misha. I was told there would be candy on this podcast. Cold blooded. <laughs> All right, so I, we're going to talk about this a little bit more when Glenn's on the show about loyalty in general and about this program. Uh, you know, I think the, the Amazon thing's not out yet, and I don't think they've really been specific about the, the conversion rate. Um, that was just kind of weird to me. It's kind of random. And I know we talk about it a little bit, but that just seems like a, I don't know. It, it, I, I can kind of see the value because it's about loyalty programs are about providing value that makes you want to stay with this hotel, right? It's about differentiating your brand from the competition. So I get that they're trying something different. It, it does actually appeal to me, but if I have to stay 5,000 nights and then I get a dollar redeemed at Amazon, obviously that's not going to work. It's appealing to me because I'm loyal to Amazon. And knowing that I'm going to get a discount there kind of outweighs whatever benefit the hotel would give me. You know what should happen? The reciprocal. If I spend enough money on Amazon, I should get free nights at home. Yeah. That would be awesome because I spend yeah. so much money on Amazon. Hey, Amazon. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kind of deal, you know, that maybe that maybe we just predicted the future. I don't know. but Or maybe we could give them that idea and get paid for it. All right, let's go we, patent that. Really we know quick. they're listening. Online retailer that... Re- collects points that redeems against hotels let's go patent that idea all right pete what's next all right so this article comes from marketing land and on wednesday which would be in when you're listening to this podcast it would have been february 1st pinterest rolled out the search ads for both keyword and shopping campaigns on their platform and this is pretty interesting to me uh just because pinterest has always been very you know difficult you know thing to figure out from a marketing perspective is how do you make the most out of it? Yeah, you know, I think this could be interesting. I don't know how impactful it's going to be from a hotel marketing perspective, but I do see that there could be a real early mover advantage if you were looking for broad terms around your know, hotel destinations. Yeah, I feel like Pinterest for me being a female, so a primary user of Pinterest, um, you know, I pin a lot of things, but then I do nothing with them. So I feel like Pinterest has struggled from an advertising perspective and for advertisers, you know, how do, yes, people are pinning things that are relevant to my content, relevant to my website, but then what, like, what's the next step? How do we turn that into another step in the funnel? So I feel like this could be a move in the right direction, but, you know, strictly speaking from a hotel perspective, I don't know if this is you know, a, a right place, or I definitely wouldn't rush out to move all my money to Pinterest. Well, it, it's interesting, right? I see it two ways. Because one, I think Pinterest, uh, the 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 fervor is that the right word? What's the sure like, the the excitement <clears throat> that was there about Pinterest initially has kind of died down. Like it used to be two years ago when a client was talking to us about wanting to have a social media strategy there would be at least some conversation about Pinterest. They would bring it up nine out of 10. And I can't remember the last time that someone said we need to be on Pinterest. You know, now it's, you know, Instagram has probably replaced that because it's a similar visual medium. Obviously the mechanics are different. But I do think that 
Pinterest is still used, especially by females, as a search engine for certain types of thing, right? If you're looking for crafty ideas or recipe ideas or, or maybe aspirational stuff, mm. uh, I, I do think that people still use it as a search engine. So that, to me, is why this could make sense. I can see it from the perspective of someone is starting to think about a vacation. You know, Even using Myrtle Beach as an example, they're going to start doing some basic searches to see things in Myrtle Beach and kind of start that process. So I think it's super early in the funnel, but it could be a chance to kind of put your brand you know, in front of those customers. And we really don't know what the pricing is going to be like. So it would be interesting to see. It could be one of those opportunities where it's not incredibly effective in terms of volume, but it could be at a great ROAS. Yeah, and we in general have the philosophy here that you should have a certain percentage, whether that's 15%, 20%, whatever of your marketing budget should be earmarked for experimental stuff every year. And this is the kind of thing that I think it's worth an experiment with as it rolls out, just to see if it works. Pay attention to what other people are doing, especially the big brands and um, other similar properties in other destinations and see see if it works. Because initially, not everyone's going to be on there. The cost is probably going to be lower and therefore your return is going to be higher. So there's obviously an advantage to jumping on early. It doesn't mean take money out of your regular pay-per-click budget and put it in this if your pay-per-click budget is working, but it means have that earmarked extra funds and use that to experiment with something like Pinterest. Can we call those the fun funds? You can call them whatever you like, Lisa. You should pin some of your marketing budget. But I'm I see what you did there. There, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. There is the dad first joke. dad joke of the episode. We should we should play a Pete DeMeo drinking game. That would be wasted by ten a.m. Yeah. <laughs> you might have passed out at my desk after lunch. As long as I can be yeah, a contestant. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have passed out at your desk before lunch once or twice, so at least it'll be after lunch. <laughs> All right, is that it for the news? I think that's it. I think we killed it. Nisha's an alcoholic and Hilton has a new loyalty program. You know, I was listening back to last week's episode and how much you talked about wine and no one sent you any wine, right? No. But I'm like, people literally might start worrying about you. No. For the record, I drink wine on Saturdays. That is my wine day. So you're a binge drinker. Other days also, but Saturday (laughs) as well. No, only days that end in day. <laughs> no, just Saturday. I'm a lush on Saturdays. That's it. And she's had two bottles already today. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into the main topic. We're going to um, switch over now and talk the show. We're going to play our pre recorded interview with Glenn Hausman. So, welcome to the show, Glenn Hausman. Now, Glenn, he is a fellow podcaster. If you have not been listening to the No Vacancy podcast, you absolutely should be. He claims that is the number one podcast in the hospitality industry. I may have to debate him on that later over a beer or two, but he certainly has a broader reach than us. We focus on marketing. He tends to get like CEOs of Virgin Hotels and stuff like that. So certainly a different stratosphere than we are, but welcome to the show, Glenn Hausman. Hey, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, the show is number one, according to my mom. So whatever she says, I got to go with. So I, I hope you guys understand that. Nothing personal. Hey, we'll, we'll share that. We, yeah, we, we agree. That's good. Your mom has yeah. never been wrong yet. So I do want to say uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm absolutely stoked to be here talking with you guys today. And I've been listening to your show since you started, and you're totally giving me a run for my money, which 
kind of is exciting but frustrates me. But <laughs> I'm pretty excited that there's more people getting into this in our business because there's so much to learn and so much to talk about. So thanks for doing your job too and for giving me that plug on last week's show too. Yeah, you're very welcome. And, and we're glad to be creating this crossover event. I mean, I don't think there's been a crossover event this exciting since Buffy and Angel back in the 90s. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's great. I was thinking uh, the Family Guy Simpsons crossover episodes, but I think Ooh, that was a big are one. onto something. That's good. That's good. And now the CW does it with all their superhero shows, but that we're way better than them. Isn't that what the Avengers is anyway? Just <laughs> well, I, think, I think you guys are superheroes in marketing, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> oh, shucks. All right, so today we're going to be talking about loyalty and... Um, but before we do, I do want to say there's kind of a joke in our office, Glenn, that we feel like you may actually be the Kevin Bacon of the hotel industry. Not, oh, yeah. not that you're a <laughs> mediocre um, actor who doesn't get the credit he deserves or that you've been in Footloose, but more that you are connected to literally everyone in the industry. So what's well, your that's secret? That's easy to say. Well, you, you get all, these top-notch people. I, I really just know, um, you know, three guys that live in an alley and... Um, you know, I just kind of fake the rest. Oh, I know those guys too. <laughs> it's all who those three guys know. So, so are you really getting these people on your show, or are you actually just doing impressions of them? Because we could do that, uh, guys. Yeah, man, I wish I could do impressions. Because my dream would be to be able to do stand-up comedy. But unfortunately, my parents are really good to me, and I don't have a, a lot of that personal angst and <laughs> self-hatred in order to be funny enough to do that. So I keep trying, though. Okay, well, it doesn't stop Pete. He keeps trying, and he's not funny at all. But... Yeah. Or if you want to do, a, you know, an interview with Mrs. Doubtfire anytime, let me know. I've heard she's kind of a big deal, and I do a great Mrs. Doubtfire impression. Go on, give us it. No, I you got to call it back. Yeah, well, I'm going to be uh, speaking to a couple of uh, CEOs in the next couple of weeks. Maybe I'll take a cue out of that and, you know, try to do the interviews. Like, ooh, hello, CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I will look forward to that episode with Beta Breath. All right, so let's jump into the topic today. So you on your show have claimed, you made the, the statement that loyalty is dead. So what, right. what exactly is it you mean by that? I think that uh, a lot of customers out there are not nearly as loyal as they used to be. Specifically, um, we all travel so much. We all have lots of uh, different things in our lives, and everybody is seeking that customer loyalty. So we started by making sure that people had all these loyalty programs, and they've kind of exploded from just being airlines or hotels to every single facet of our life. And People aren't into being loyal to a certain brand as much anymore as they are into just collecting all these loyalty programs. So in our hospitality world, when you see a company says we have X amount of million people that are loyal customers that are part of the program, it just means that they've done a good job at signing people up. True loyalty and assuming that people are going to be loyal are two different things. And I think that in our experience-driven culture, that we're very, very flexible about who we want to give our dollars to. And of course, I've got to make sure that there is an exception to every rule. And that there are a lot of hardcore business travelers out there that have picked the, picked the hotel company and will only stay with that. But in aggregate, I think uh, general loyalty is dead and it's definitely on the decline. And people have got to figure out new ways to connect with customers that are going to get them coming back for more. Right. And we spoke earlier at the top of the show about the news and Hilton just rolled out their new uh, offerings within their uh, within their program. You know, you're able to pull points together now and later this year, you're going to be able to redeem your points against Amazon um, purchases. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your thoughts on what Hilton's doing? Uh, 
first of all, I hadn't heard of that. Just, just kidding. I read it. I read the news when it broke in USA Today, and I was very jealous of my friend Nancy Trejos for getting yet another scoop. Maybe uh, one day us guys will start to get these kind of scoops out there. But we're here left having a comment on it. And the reason why um, I'm finding this move to be a smart move from them, but I'm not sure if it's going to change habits. Now, if you look at what they're doing, they're saying you could shop with points at Amazon.com, right? And you could pool points with other people as well for uh, group trips. So this is telling me that we're kind of changing the way that we want to experience brands. You see this also with the uh, with like Delta Airlines and other airline companies and credit card things. So they're not really Hilton's no longer asking me to be uh, loyal simply to Hilton. They're asking me to uh, stay at Hilton hotels when it's convenient and then spend my money at Amazon.com. Now I absolutely love all the guys over at Hilton, I think they do great things. And I do think that this is a reaction to the shifts that we're seeing out there in the hospitality universe. But this tells me, when you're telling the people to, to shop at Amazon, that people aren't probably using their points at their hotels or they want to shift the burden from people cashing in those points at hotels somewhere else. That makes sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we agree. So, you know, here at Fuel, we kind of th see loyalty and um, advocacy kind of hand in hand and, and right. creating a having a happy guest that not only wants to stay with you again, but becomes a raving lunatic fan and wants to tell yeah. everyone else they want to stay with you. To me, mm -hmm. that's the key of loyalty. So who do you see is doing a good job of that? And then maybe on the flip side, who do you think is not doing a great job? I'm not really sure any particular brand is doing a great job. I mean, if you listen to uh, the interview I did with Raul Leal, the CEO of Virgin Hotels, I think they're touching on something by creating a great experience that's multi-generational, that really gets people to want to come and evangelize the brand. But in order to create good loyalty, it doesn't really matter. I can have the best experience ever at a particular hotel, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stay at another hotel in another city that's got the same name on it. I may be loyal to a particular property, but I'm not necessarily loyal to the brand simply because they have hotels in other cities. And I think that's really what the, the crux of the issue is. Us assuming that people are going to be loyal because they have a good experience in one place, but I don't necessarily see it carrying on from city to city to city for a large amount of people. That's interesting. So what can, you know, we're looking at, we have a lot of independent hotels who are working on launching brand campaigns or yeah. loyalty campaigns. And you know, we've always positioned those campaigns as being almost immediate gratification, giving them peop the yep. fans and the loyalty guests a little something special. Yep. Is there anything a hotel really can do to, to kind of change that tide a little bit and make it less of a commodity of earning points to really create that affinity? No, absolutely. And you folks are right on the cusp of change. And I think that's where we're really going to. And it's hinted at with this, this Hilton deal that they made with uh, Amazon and changing the program from H honors to Hilton honors and stuff. But uh, yes, I think that instead of rewards that I have to stay 10 times in the hopes of getting a free night over the year as just a general example, it's more about recognition. And uh, companies like Red Lion's Hello Rewards program is strictly focused on that guest recognition. I mean, y your customers, your hotel customers probably understand that um, as a guest coming in, I'm more interested in having that bottle of water or a free cocktail or some sort of experience that's curated much more so than just getting meaningless points to put with my other 29 with my other 29 rewards programs that I'm in earning meaningless points 
Yeah. So makes sense to you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So how do you feel like, you know, everyone, the buzzword in the industry is millennial, millennial. And, and we've seen folks like Marriott make drastic changes to their rooms, like taking out desks because they feel like it appeals to millennials. You know, we, we kind of have the feeling here at Fuel that it's not really a millennial shift, but it's more of a cultural shift. And, and technology has changed how we communicate. Uh, there's, there's definitely more of a instant gratification lifestyle all around when you look at things like Netflix and Amazon Echoes and the technology that we have. So we're not convinced it's just an age shift. We feel like it's more of a societal shift. So do you feel like the hotels are really, the changes they make into their loyalty programs, are they aiming at the right way of people or are they kind of making knee-jerk reactions because they think they know what millennials want? All right, I, I, here's, this, here's the part of the show where I pretty much echo everything that you just said because I agree with you com- completely. I've been saying for several years now that millennials are red herring. They're distracting us from what's actually happening. And you crystallized that thought perfectly because all of society is shifting. Um, we all want different things. It's just that the millennials are better at adapting to technology quicker and getting their opinions known. So. Everybody's decided that millennials are the ones that count right now. And of course, couch all my comments in being a sad Gen Xer that nobody cares about. But <laughs> I really think that we're getting a little too carried away with millennials. Um, it's everybody that's changing. And the industry needs to consider that psychographic and not the thing gets caught up with people's ages. It's driving me crazy. Hotel brands out there are creating these millennial specific brands. And I don't understand why. Because they're, t- they're trying to convince us that smaller guest rooms are better and everybody wants to hang out in the lobby. That's awesome when you're 25, <laughs> but what happens in five, 10 years when certain of these brands are built out and now all of a sudden these people are married and have toddlers and are wondering why their rooms are so small and their showers only and they can't bathe their toddlers. So it doesn't seem to necessarily make sense when you start to break it down into its component parts about what's actually happening with societal trends. As far as the... Um, as far as the loyalty program part of it and tying into it, I really think that they need to be focused more on delivering unique experiences. And um, back in the old Starwood days, um, they had a great, uh, it's so weird to say Starwood doesn't exist anymore, but they did, they did great stuff by allowing you to take points and convert them into real, actual experiences. Um, meet and greets with certain celebrities, uh, courtside seats for a basketball game, that kind of stuff. That has more um, impact, I think, on a person's life than just giving them these points and hopefully they'll stay with you in a hotel for free one day. So do you think with you know, Hilton's move to basically your points become some form of currency, does that mm-hmm. actually devalue the relationship you have with Hilton? Because at some point, it's just a transaction. You're going to buy something from Amazon anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if $2 of my purchase comes off as a, you know, because I'm a loyal to Hilton, does that really help their case? versus going out and really going above and beyond for the guests when they're on property. Uh, yeah, I'd be curious if we're on, uh, aligned on this one too, but I'm not really sure that it's building loyalty. It's giving existing members an opportunity to spend their currency differently, but is it really building loyalty? Am I, am I going to, and I don't mean to pick on Hilton because again, I think they're a smart, dynamic company that's doing a lot of things, and this is, a, this is an issue that's affecting everybody, but just because they give me a chance to spend my money through different mechanisms, I'm not necessarily going to go, oh, I have to stay at this hotel brand now because of that. They're separate, they're separate issues. You're right. 
Amazon.com, I'm still gonna buy stuff on Amazon. I, when I go to a hotel, I want people to recognize me, I want them to treat me individualized, and I want the hotel industry to realize that it's all about the mass customization of individualized experiences, and I think that's where we're headed. And I guarantee you guys that you're already working on delivering that message to the comments, to the clients that you have for marketing. Yeah, right. And, you know, I'm kind of caught in two minds on, on that with the Amazon point redemption. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. Part of me is like, is this a PR stunt? Are they just doing this to, to get a buzz in the media, which is obviously working? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about on the number one podcast in the ho hotel industry right now, right, Glenn? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sure. Or number two, sorry. Sorry, number two. <laughs> We're um, all number one, baby. All right. We're in a, uh, we're in a new reality of alternative facts. <laughs> we can all be number this is, one. <laughs> this is I like it. Um, or, you know, are they being smart? Because they, they're going from being a brand that you just care about when you're staying in a hotel to being a brand that now is is getting involved in more aspects of your life. You know, are they becoming just a, a brand that is on the tip of your tongue all the time that you experience not just in a hotel, but when you're ordering the Nintendo switch off of Amazon or whatever it is, you know? So right. it, do they become more a part of your life and more that trusted friend and more you have an aligned brand affinity with them because you're using them throughout the, the year, not just that once or twice or however often you go and stay with it. I bet that it's both yes and no. It really depends on the person. I hate to sound vague and not take a, a strong opinion, but I think this is important to those, uh, hardcore road warriors that are very loyal mm -hmm. to uh, Hilton or whatever brand that they're affiliated with. But for the general traveler, I don't think they particularly care. Yeah. Now, I have a friend who is a hardcore business traveler, and he happens to have been with Hilton forever. So he has diamond status, a million points. And when I heard this news, I actually asked him what his thoughts were on this because he has expressed dissatisfaction in the past with their loyalty program. And I mentioned the Amazon thing, and he was like, I could honestly care less. Like, I like that I can right. combine my points and cash. That's kind of cool. The rest of it, meh, not super impressed. Yeah. Honestly, I don't. I never cash in points. I mean, maybe when I'm taking the family up to Rhode Island to see my wife's brother for Rosh Hashanah. But other than that, never. I don't think about the points. And to be fair, I don't earn hotel points like most people because I stay in a lot of independent properties. And a lot of times, um, I'm not staying with the same financial arrangement as other people do because I'm there for uh, work, right? Because so, you're special, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. If you look at the... Um, the airline industry, uh, you know, I, I just kind of feel like the loyalty program is irrelevant to me. It's not doing anything for me anymore. I'm gold status on an airline, but two years ago I would have qualified at platinum status. So they're telling me my loyalty doesn't count anymore. And if more companies continue to do that, and I feel like maybe the hospitality industry is doing that by devaluing the currency of their points, which they've done over the last couple of years, they're feeding into the whole idea that we don't need to be loyal anymore. Yeah, and it's interesting because up until now, independent hotels have shied away for the most part from loyalty for the reasons you say, like the road warriors that are business travelers, they go and stay at multiple properties all throughout the year. There's value there. But for, for the family that stays once a year or goes on a vacation twice a year, there hasn't really been a lot of value to any kind of loyalty program. So those independent hotels just haven't invested in it unless they go into like a pooled one like um, – What's, what's the big one that uh, a lot of people do? Stash. Stash, yeah. So Stash or War, something like that, that, that they might participate in. But now if we're entering an age where it's more, it's less about long-term repeat business loyalty and more about turning 
happy guests into great online reputation. That's right. Then there's a lot more value in in rewarding a guest while they stay with you and making sure they leave. You know, we talk a lot here about surprise and delight. And if you can do that and enchant a guest, then they go and they're going to talk about you. They're going to post you on social media. They're going to leave positive reviews. And that leads to new business, not necessarily the same person. Yeah, loyalty doesn't necessarily equate to affinity. And I think that's where, you know, you know, the Hilton program is not necessarily creating affinity. Yeah, you get some points and things like that, which is great. But I think at the end of the day, if you can reward those people and really make them feel like they're in a club, that they're going to be an evangelist for your brand. And make everyone feel special and and they're going to they're going to rant about you and rave about you. Look what uh, Mini did from a, a car company perspective. I mean, their yes. users and their drivers are incredibly brand loyal. They're have, you know, very high affinity. They form their own groups and they really embody what that is. You know, to me that's where a hotel has to go. They have to make these members of their loyalty program part of the club so that they truly are you know, evangelists. Can I go on a, on a tangent here? Yeah, sorry, Stuart, go on. That's okay. Um, so when I was in high school, my buddy had a, a Mini Cooper. And one of the big things that they, they used to promote about Mini back in the day was that they're the safest car. You cannot roll a Mini Cooper. And this dude, he would spend hours and hours driving as fast as he could around a parking lot trying to roll it to, to prove to them that they were not right. Not once did he ever roll that car. I would have hated to see what happened if he actually did. <laughs> Sounds like you he had probably, some smart uh, friends. Start cursing to himself before he uh, <laughs> passed out from blood loss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, wasn't uh, Minnie Cooper? Wasn't she on the Wonder Years or something like that? <laughs> um, but as far as you're you're talking, I really like what you're saying, and I'd like to also add that you're right. It's about making sure the guest feels cherished while they're on property while simultaneously giving them excuses to evangelize about you. When I do a lot of um, my speaking um, engagements in front of um, hospitality industry groups, I talk about creating social media moments, right? Making people go, oh, that's really cool, and then wanting to share it with the world. I think we're not really talking about loyalty anymore as getting people to evangelize about your product so other folks are gonna come in and enjoy it too. And I think that dovetails nicely with the rise of the independent hotels and what you're trying to achieve with them. Get people excited when they're on the property level, get them to share their experiences online, and get them, in turn, to bring more folks to spend money on that property. Yeah, and a part of that, the key to that, I think, is engaging your guests while they're on property and, and making sure that, that they are having a great time and do, do things that they don't expect, that surprise and delight thing. But But mm-hmm. even if you're not surprising them, making sure that if if they have a complaint that you know about it and you address it before they walk out the door because pete says this a lot he always says that when that guest is on property you're already starting that next sales funnel you're already trying to get them to purchase their next stay and the only way you can do that is by actually engaging with them while they're on property and we know there's data out there that says if you engage with a a person on property they're a lot more likely to leave positive reviews. They're a lot more likely to tell other people about it. So a lot of a lot of hotels are get, getting into the you know mobile app bandwagon or the faceless kind of hotel experience where no one has to engage with you. And and we offer a mobile app and it's a great product, but we still encourage our clients to say, okay, they're going to use the technology for some things, but we don't want to lose that personal touch. We want to still be hospitable to our guests and make sure that they're having a great experience 
Yeah, again, you're right, and you're um, you're right in concert with all the stuff that I say all the time, and that is absolutely 100% true. I talk a lot um, about how we can turn what used to be transactional relationships between the guest and like the front desk into experiential relationships. How do we make them ambassadors? As technology starts to really take over the entire hotel experience and everything becomes automated, we still have to, and I would argue more than ever, go out of our way to make personal connections with people. One of my lines that I always say is, you know what? People aren't gonna go back and evangelize about the chair that was in the room, or even about how comfortable that bed was, or the free bottles of water. They're gonna say there was this guy, Joe, who gave me great advice in a restaurant, or Sally was able to really give me um, something special, and boy, did I have a good laugh with uh, Maureen, or whatever it might be. It's that personal one-on-one -on -one connections that are really gonna, are gonna produce that ultimate loyalty, and not just uh, giving me some points. Exactly. And Misha's told this story a couple times on the podcast, but do you want to share with Glenn where you had the maintenance guy that escorted you? Yes. So I was at, um, I had a meeting because I have meetings every day of my life now, but I yes. had a meeting at a hotel here in Myrtle Beach and it was in one of the banquet rooms upstairs and it was a property that I was unfamiliar with. So I walked in the lobby and looked pretty confused. And so I was, my plan was just to go up to the front desk to ask for directions to the banquet room. But a service technician saw me, you know, asked if he could help me or if I was looking for something. And I told him, oh, I'm looking for a banquet room, whatever. So instead of just giving me directions, he escorted me over to the elevator, took me up to the floor, walked me right to the room, engaged me in conversation while we were on the way there, was super nice and helpful and, you know, went out of the way to not just answer my question, but to actually take me there and entertain me. And it was, it was totally And great. this is a maintenance guy, not a reservationist, yeah. you know? I mean, that's amazing because especially in Myrtle Beach, no offense to a lot of the, the no, people that totally work agree. in Myrtle Beach, but, you know, the, the training and the culture that was created at that property to allow him to do that is really, really important. So what property was that? Um, it was Caribbean Resorts. Caribbean. Yeah. And they need a little shout-out for that because they're actually doing it Doing yeah. it the right way. Yeah, and that's just an independent property. You know, it's a few hundred units. But if they've got yeah. their act together, then surely the chains can and, and other independents can follow suit. Yeah, and I think that's key too. It's not just your typical people facing roles that need that type of training. I mean, if you look at any hotel, I mean, you've got the service technicians, but you've also got the house cleaners, just any position you like you're going, you work in hospitality. Like you've said before, Stuart, you're going to deal with people at some point, whether or not you're a reservationist or you see yourself as guest facing. So I think that needs across the board needs to be part of every training for every hotel. Right. And to me, a lot of loyalty is you're walking down the hallway and is the housekeepers, do they look up and acknowledge your existence or do they run away and, and hide? You know, it's a, it's a cultural thing at a hotel. And I think the hotels need to really focus on making that one-on-one -on -one connection and then get off their high horse thinking that we're coming to their hotel because of their hotel. We're coming to their hotel as an afterthought. I need to be at a particular thing in a particular city. I want to have particular experiences so now let me look for a hotel. So uh, if we start to focus on them being ambassadors for the community a little bit more and make that individual connection and relate those localized stories and experiences, then I think it's going to help build that loyalty and get you out of this point strap. Yeah, and it, it starts at the top of the property. It is a cultural thing, right? You've got to make sure that the, the HR, the training, 
the the management everything is in line with that mindset that you everyone that's on property is there to make the guests experience better in um, it but if you have one or two weak links it completely undermines everything you're trying to do so you've got to make sure it is a cultural thing not just a here's our process and our our employee manual you've got to really infuse it into everyone's dna within the property that's right and that goes back to uh your hiring techniques to make sure that you get the uh, the right people as well so glenn we've been talking a lot about you know obviously we start with loyalty and we've kind of shifted to customer satisfaction how do you merge those two let's say you're an independent hotel how do you make sure that the people who are on your loyalty program not only get the great service, but get the great and then whatever comes beyond that because they're part of that club? What can they do? Yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of already said it. Make those great personal connections. Give people reasons to evangelize about the hotel. Follow some of the steps that you're putting out there. I think you guys do an absolutely uh, terrific job at understanding um, how to, you know, market hotels and get hotels to really create that experience at the property level. So I. I I do think you guys are on to something, and I think you've already said everything that we need to say. Now, I'll just maybe I could just uh, rehash it and make it make me sound intelligent by copying. <laughs> well, that's basically what every episode of this podcast is. We say the same thing again and again. And well, that's say, that's my move at hotel industry cocktail parties. I get into a conversation, I learn something from someone intelligent, and then I spout it out like I know what I'm talking about in the next conversation I have. Works great every single time. <laughs> as long as you know a little bit more than the person you're talking to, then you, you sound smart, right? That's right. <laughs> well, Glenn, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast today. We really appreciate you spending the time. Um, just so the listeners at home know, we had a little technical snafu, so we were running late. So we appreciate your flexibility on that, Glenn. Yeah, right, that, uh, that, that 20 minutes. Oh, I'm so crazy. <laughs> but I think... Thank you guys for having me on the show, and I'm sorry you had such poor judgment that you had me on the show, but uh, I guess that's something you guys Hey, we, we had to go for the Kevin Bacon of the hospitality industry, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to play, uh, I'd love if my friends played a drinking game, Six Degrees of, uh, of Glenn Hausman, that'd be hysterical. We actually talked about doing that live on the podcast, about if we could say someone that's in the industry and see if you could get to them within two or three moves. <laughs> I love it. That's freaking awesome. I think you guys should do that. I think you. I, I think maybe we should partner on a new podcast show just doing with that concept. <laughs> All right. So, Glenn, I know when you have people on the show, you let them do a shameless plug. So go ahead. This is your moment to sell your your wares and your, your podcast and your, your business. Excellent. Thanks. Well, be sure you hire Fuel Marketing. That's one plug. Number two, uh, No Vacancy Podcast. You can check it out at novacancy.libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Or just type in No Vacancy Podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Traveling Glenn. And Glenn has two ends. I know it's a pain in the neck to touch that other end, but it's my parents' fault. Don't blame me. Is that good? That's some good plugs there. That's perfect, Glenn. Well, again, we appreciate having you on the show. And thank you, guys. And um, I hope one day that we'll get you guys on, on my show. I think I'm going to be down in Myrtle Beach in, in, the, in the spring. If that's the case, we should do it in person. There you go. Yeah. Let me know when you're in town. We'll, we'll go out for some beers. Ah, that sounds like a really good idea. And we'll play our game, and we'll have a good time. <laughs> All right, take care, Glenn. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. All right, bye. Wow, what a great interview there with uh, Glenn Hausman from No Vacancy Podcast, guys. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. I've been binge listening to No Vacancy for a couple of days, and it's, it was really good to be able to have him on the podcast. Don't, and... say, don't say that. You meant to say I've been listening for months. No, I've been binge listening. Okay. Well, I've, I've, I've been a fan months. longer than you. Okay. No, he, he does a good job. I... He does claim he's the number one 
uh, podcast in the hospitality industry, he probably gets way more listeners than our three that we get. But um, no, he does, he does a good job. If you if you are not listening to the No Vacancy podcast, you absolutely should. He's a funny guy. He has a lot of insight, and he is most definitely one of the most well-connected people in the industry. He seems to know literally everybody um, and has some great guests. You know, he had the dude from Hotel Impossible on his show. He's had the CEO of Virgin Hotels on his show. Uh, he has a, a couple of buddies that he met down the pub as well, but most of them are A-listers. So it's, it's a good podcast to listen to. So that's kind of wrapping up our episode. Now, I do want to tell you that we are literally imminently releasing our new travel study in conjunction with Flip2. And Flip2 is an awesome uh, customer advocacy um, and social sharing platform. We're going to have them on the show in the next few weeks. But that travel study is going to be available this coming week. We're going to be pushing it out on social media probably Wednesday of this upcoming week, which is what date, Misha? Is that the 8th? Yes, um, yes that is the 8th. So 8th of February, if you're listening to this um, before then, is when to look for us on Twitter at Fuel Travel. We'll be pushing out links to that travel study. It's basically a website behavior study. So we looked at how people are finding websites, what's important when they come to a website. Is it the color scheme? Is it the layout? Is it the font? What what factors really influence them? And then also the content side of things. What really does matter? Is it price? Is it location? Is it amenities? And how do they want to see that kind of stuff? So there's a lot of cool insights and we really broke it down between uh, you know the, the overall population and about 15% of the respondents and there were over 2,000 respondents to the survey. About 15% of them were millennials as well. And with all this buzz and furore about millennials, we wanted to see are they really that different than everyone else. So we kind of did a little, throughout the study, we kind of denoted how millennials were the same or, or how they differed as well, which might give you some surprises. So we're going to be writing some blogs about this stuff. We're going to be releasing it. It's a download. It's going to be on our website. The link will be released on Wednesday. So definitely encourage everyone to check that out. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, then we're talking about February 8th, 2017. Because if you're in 2018, you don't have to wait till February 8th because it will already be out. And maybe our next one, the 2018 one will be out. I don't know. And if you're listening to this in 2030, then you will probably wonder what the internet is and a download is because everything <laughs> will be implanted in your brain. So You've guys, been watching too much Black Mirror. Yeah, I have. That is such a good show. <laughs> it is really good. It's really good. I recommend it to everyone. Um, Pete, where can I find you on the web? I'm on Twitter at pdimeo. P D I M A I O. Misha. You can find me at marketing Misha. That is at marketing M E I S H A. And you can find me at Stuart Butler. S T U A R T B U T L E R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel. And you can also find us, we're going to be at HSMAI event in New York on February 21st. So we'll be there. If anyone is in town wants to come say hey, um, that would be great. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Talk, 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 talk,